New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. It is only through a change in human consciousness that the world will be transformed. The personal and the planetary are connected. As we expand our awareness of mind, body, psyche, and spirit, and bring that awareness actively into the world, so also will the world be changed. This is our quest as we explore new dimensions. What if, despite aging, injuries, health conditions, and illnesses, you could not only return to a state of health you enjoyed previously, but even improve on it? As you explore your health story, it may soon become clear that energy, feelings, and thoughts, both conscious and unconscious, are intertwined and can influence your physical health. Aging happens and injuries and accidents occur and diseases strike people who seem to have no predisposition to them. Even so, no matter what happens in your health story, our guest today, Dr. Carl Greer, tells us that we get to decide which losses and changes we will accept and which ones we will want to continue to improve. Dr. Carl Greer is a practicing clinical psychologist and Jungian analyst and shamanic practitioner. He teaches at the C.G. Jung Institute in Chicago and is on staff at the Replogal Center for Counseling and Well-Being. He's the author of Change Your Story, Change Your Life, Using Shamanic and Jungian Techniques for Healing and also change your story, change your life using shamanic and Jungian tools to achieve personal transformation. Join us for the next hour as we explore reframing the story of our health with our guest, Dr. Carl Greer. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Carl, welcome. Nice to be here, Justine, thank it, you. It's a nice to have you. Let me start off. It, it's an unusual combination, being a Jungian therapist or analyst, and, and then also working with shamanism. How did you combine those two? I think my uh, first interests were in shamanism. And as a young man, I read uh, stories about mountain men and women and medicine men and women, and had the fantasy that uh, wouldn't it be wonderful to uh, apprentice with somebody? Then I read the Castaneda books, but by then I had uh, uh, family and obligations and figured that that wasn't going to happen. I also had had, as a kid, interest in fairy tales and stories, and uh, so I had a parallel interest in uh, things uh, precursor to my interest in Jung. So then in my mid-40s, I was a businessman and decided that uh, maybe I'd like to do something else with my life besides business. So I went back to school and became a clinical psychologist, got a degree, continued some business activities, then decided I wanted to uh, uh, 
become a Jungian analyst, which I, I, I did. At the same time, I'm still interested in shamanism, and I'm starting to do some work on my own. And then around 2000, I had an opportunity to, uh, to go to Alberto Vialdo's uh, school, and uh, it, it gave me some training that was very valuable to me. I ended up being on his uh, staff, teaching there for a while. And then I spent a lot of time in South America with other shamans and was fortunate to do shamanic work and meet people in, out of Mongolia and uh, Australia and uh, Ethiopia and uh, Canada. So my shamanic uh, work has been uh, a big part of my life for the last 17 years. Both Jungian work and shamanic work uh, talk about the invisible realms, like uh, I call them transpersonal realms. Jung might uh, refer to them as the collective unconscious, where I believe there are energies and information that uh, we can tap into. And so that's how I see the two of them uh, coming together. So when you were doing the shamanic work and studying with different shamans, were you able to train yourself to actually see these energies or or were you feeling them how how did they appear for you well i learned to uh, journey and uh shamans uh basically work with energy they do healing work they work uh in the past and they work in the future uh, all to make present day decisions uh better they also work with uh, nature so my training was in all those things to uh work with the past through journey work, to do journeys to go to the future, to uh, find ways to work with nature, all to uh, help me uh, make better present-day decisions, and those with whom I work help them to do the same. So when you receive information, how do you know that this is truly wise information or just wishful thinking, or how do you distinguish? Is this, am I making this up, or is this real? What's your criteria? The nice thing that, uh, about shamanism, it's very experiential. And so uh, uh, you actually are having the experience, and then it's up to you, your consciousness, to decide what you want to do with it. And your question is right on. Uh, are you making this up? Is, is it real? And you just have to learn to be discriminating. If it seems to be right and you make changes based on it, and those changes are better than what you were doing before, then to me that's indication that it's, that it's working. I've, I have a practice uh, that I have people do called dialoguing where they're interacting with uh, unconscious parts of themselves, for example, or something they uh, encounter in, uh, in nature. And... Uh, when people first do this, they're uh, often wondering, just like you said, am I making this up? Is it real? But I've found nobody who hasn't done that practice for a period of time who hasn't gotten some really aha moments from that set of encounters uh, where they begin to say, hey, there's something really valuable here for me. And so it's like a matter of testing it out. Yes. So it's not just, okay, you just fly into it and you just do it, but you actually test it out and say, okay, is my health improving or is my, are my emotions improving? Or, and that just reminds me, too, uh, you talk about how, and I mentioned in the introduction, it's not only just your physical body that our emotions have a 
sway over how we're feeling. Can you describe that a bit, what your experience of that is? I think the uh, whole idea of energy medicine, uh, of which shamanism would be a a part, and while Jungian uh, psychology doesn't necessarily talk about energy medicine, I think uh, they would certainly believe that uh, emotional factors and spiritual factors can affect our our health. so the notion of energy medicine and also shamanism is that everything is interconnected. It comes from a one, let's say the place before creation, before the Big Bang, where everything is possible. And from that one, we now have this world. We have forces seen and unseen. We have uh, uh, people with emotions, with thoughts. And it's been shown uh, through various scan scanning techniques that our thoughts affect our emotions emotions affect our thoughts and both affect our physiological processes so they are all interconnected so part of the work is to have people realize those interconnections and then be able to make interventions for themselves uh, in a self-healing way that cause things to happen that otherwise wouldn't had they not done the work my book is to help people find out how to do that. Right, right. I'm just reminded, too, that if if we are going for better health, let's say just in one modality, let's say um, in allopathic medicine, we go to a physician, a doctor, and, and we get medication or something like that, uh, and the doctor is has not been trained to ask us, well, How's your life going? Are you anxious about anything? Or is, you know, they, they might not ask those things. And it seems to me, I think you even use the term in your book, um, it's a fragmented way of looking at health. Would you, would you say, would you agree with that? Is that? I, I would agree with that. I would say that allopathic medicine is very valuable. We do wonderful things with it. Uh, but I think there's more that a person can do to uh, to heal themselves than just simply uh, surgery and in uh, in uh, medicine. Uh, so I would say one of the uh, roots of uh, health and healing is uh, wholeness. And so the idea of uh, being more whole, I think, can lead to more health. So I know that in the, in the title of your book, change the story of your health. So the the word story, story is really important to you. And I guess this, part of this comes also from your Jungian background, that uh, stories are powerful. And, and so you are encouraging us to really to, to write out the story of our health, write it out, actually tell the story. Uh, so describe that process a bit for us, Carl. I think when we uh, can conceptualize our lives as a story, it allows ourselves to have a little distance from them. We can say, what, what is my story, for example? What is the story of my health? And one can get into that in a lot of different ways. But if one is willing to take the time to reflect, they may come up with some ideas and thoughts and, uh, and themes that they didn't realize before. For example, uh, you know, you could start off... Uh, telling yourself the story of your health by looking at uh, how you, what you eat and drink or how you exercise or how you uh, conceptualize getting older or how you deal with chronic uh, disease or acute ailments. That would be one way to do it. Or you could just say, you know, what are my uh, beliefs about my health? For example, somebody could say, you know, my uh, parents uh, uh, all died uh, of 
heart disease, both my mom and my dad, by the time I was 60, I probably will too. There's not much I can do about it. So kind of a fatalistic acceptance of that. Or conversely, somebody could say, uh, you know, my parents never believed in uh, going to doctors or taking medicine, uh, all the side effects. Uh, I'm not going to either. Uh, uh, not to say which is true, uh, but I would argue that in both cases, um, there's other ways a person could think about that. For example, the first person could uh, uh, realize that no matter what your uh, genetic inheritance is, you can change the way your genes express themselves by lifestyle changes. And the person who says, you know, I never want to, you know, take medicine or go to a doctor may be uh, causing themselves undue uh, harm by not doing so. But to have that stated to yourself in the context of a lot of the other questions that I, I suggest is a starting point for somebody to say, this is what is. And then you need to do that in my belief, Justine, in order to know what it is you like to have for your health story. So you have to start with what is as honestly as you can and not the story that you want somebody else to hear, but, but really what is your truth. And then you can ask yourself, what would you like it to be? And then you can get to that point why where you're saying, uh, uh, if this is the way I'd like it to be, why isn't it that way? And that's where some of these other unconscious factors come in because perhaps it's not the way you would like it to be because there's some part of you that doesn't want it like that. Ah, uh, there. Or there's some information someplace that you're just not uh, aware of. In both cases, the what I call expanded awareness practices in my book help you to find out about those things. We'll talk more about that in just one moment. I'm here with Dr. Carl Greer. He is the author of Change the Story of Your Health Using Shamanic and Jungian Techniques for Healing. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Carl Greer, and he is the author of Change the Story of Your Health Using Shamanic and Jungian Techniques for Healing. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, carlgreer.com. And Carl is spelled with a C, C-A-R-L, greer.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. And Carl, we're talking about um, that writing out that story and then the 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 practices uh, the awareness practices that you you espouse and i i'm reminded too of some of the questions when you're saying write that story first of 
your your belief systems, where you are now before you write out where you want to be. And um, I ran across some really lovely questions that you pose that help with this. And um, one is um, a, a question, what do I, this is maybe for the second part of that, when you're looking at improving your health, what do I need to do to regain my vitality? Is this treatment working for me and should I continue it? What is triggering my, let's say, fatigue or overeating or whatever the bad practice you're doing? What's triggering it? And what will happen if I continue my present course making no changes in my lifestyle? I think that that's a really important question. If if we kind of take it all the way out to, okay, I, I really don't want to change eating ice cream or, or, or being sedentary. I don't really want to change it. And if we just sit down and write out, okay, if you follow that all the way to the nth degree, where will it take you is, I think, what you're asking us to write out. Is that? Yes. Um, and when one does that just with their uh, conscious mind, uh, they would have some answer. That answer may be uh, influenced by uh, uh, popular uh, literature about what happens if you don't do such and such. But I'm suggesting further, we may have some inner knowing, an inner healer that we can access that may have even a different picture for us. And so the practices that I'm suggesting in my book allow us to access these uh, uh, inner voices, the inner healing capacity we have that might be a different uh, solution than the one we were just talking about that a person rationally would try to get to. And to that end, I have, in that particular case, a, a journey that I take people to. Uh, I suggest tell them how to do it in my book, to the upper world. And uh, you go out however many years you want to go, let's say five or 10 years, with a particular health issue and say, all right, if I don't change, what's the picture of me and my health going to be? And if, so you get a picture. And then you may say, well, what do I need to give up in order for that picture not to be so? What do I need to gain? And if I do those two things, give up something, gain something, what's it going to look like 5, 10, 15 years out? And it's a very powerful journey that many people have used very beneficially um, in order to make changes. I'm struck by the idea that lots of us would like to change some long-standing habit. But that is not so easy to do. Let's take, for example, like for, for me and, and some of our listeners know, I have been working with weight issues for decades, for decades, and could not make any headway. I would make a little bit of gain well, a little bit of loss, <laughs> and then I'd gain it back. And, you know, that yo-yo, yo-yo, and trying all sorts of different diets mm -hmm. and all sorts of different things. And then at some point in the last year, I, for some reason, there was something in me that lined up, not just outwardly, not just in how I was going to change things, but inwardly. There was an inward change, and I was able to then be successful and have lost 85 pounds in the last year. Wow. And, and 
keeping it off, you know, and it's like easy. Mm-hmm. It was easy. Uh, no, I didn't have any hunger. It was easy to change my habits, but I understand so well how hard it is to change habits. And I think that you mentioned something that I, that's, I think, a wonderful clue uh, later on in your book. You mentioned something about the smaller changes that we can do. We we often leap into okay, I'm just going to do this big new regime mm-hmm. and change everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it, you see you shaking your head. So tell right. us about that, how, how that does or doesn't work. May I ask you a question? Absolutely. About, uh, I mean, it's interesting that something lined up, you said, inside of you that caused the change. Uh, had you done work in preparation for that over the years so that uh, without getting into the particulars that somehow made it more possible for something to line up or did it just kind of happen out of the blue? I I think for me, it was uh, my life lined up. I remember years before when I had a little bit of success in losing weight. And I I might have mentioned this on air at some point. Um, I walked by the bathroom window uh, uh, mirror, and I saw myself out of the corner of my eye. And a voice appeared to me in my ear and said, how will you be powerful now? And I thought, well, now that's interesting. And I realized that somewhere deep in my psyche, I was equating personal power with weight, with actual physical weight. So I had that piece, but that was like two decades ago. And now my life changed, and I'm a- actually having, at this point in my life, actually manifesting success in being being powerful and being actually, my, my partner has died. So for the past five years, I've taken over the running of New Dimensions, and I found that I'm really quite good at it. And that seemed to line up the experience yes. of feeling that 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 expression of power, and suddenly I'm able to lose weight. I, I'm not sure if they're really coordinated, but it seems maybe. No, it's beautiful. I ask because oftentimes people will do the work, and uh, something that seemingly is not necessarily related to the fibromyalgia or the chronic uh, fatigue syndrome uh, will crop up like power. Uh, just because they're working in these, uh, they have the view of the mirror, they're doing a journey, or they had a dream. Uh, and the wonder to me, you know, observing this work and being part of it is how for that particular person, it allows things to line up even maybe then or eventually line up. Had they not had that experience, maybe they would have gotten to that place, but at least those experiences allowed them to do that. Now, when somebody's had that experience and they've lined up a little differently, speaking for myself sometimes, you still, back to your original question, how do you make changes in the moment, you know, the little little changes, you still have to every moment decide, uh, am I going to drink this? How much am I going to drink? Am I going to eat this? How much am I going to eat? When am I going to do it? So you still have to... uh, do make those decisions. And in my book, I talk some about those incremental little changes in the moment, uh, how you can think about those perhaps differently than you have before. So there's a kind of, um, we have to be patient with ourselves. 
Yes. That that we you know oh man, we are totally in a culture with instant gratification. You know, we are looking for it to be take the magic pill and have it done with, and just um, you know do the hip replacement and have it done with, and all of that. But those those steady little incremental steps then require a kind of patience. It seems to me. Absolutely, and uh, the kind of work I'm suggesting, uh, I really feel does help people. But you have to be willing to spend the time to reflect on what your health story is, to believe that you have the capacity to do more self-healing than you've done before, and do certain things that you haven't done, like working with your unconscious to find out uh, perhaps some of the blocks that you've had, uh, or understand the relationship between, in the story you told, power and weight, uh, and then uniquely to you or to them, they're able to make changes because all of a sudden they have a different piece of data. They, they think about things differently than they did before the aha moment that you had or that they had. Well, I can see, like I go to group every, every week. Uh, it's a weight management group uh, and it's offered by my HMO and, and they'll offer it for the rest of my life. And I, I really find value to, in being with other people who have who are working with the same issue as I am. And I noticed that some people in the group, they are just not successful. I, I can see that that moment of choice, they succumb to not making it consistently. They might do it one week, and then the next week they'll say, oh, well, I fell off the wagon, so to speak. And it's, it's facing those, that choice every time uh, is, and it may not be a big choice. It may just be these little choices that we're making constantly. Absolutely, that, that can mount up to uh, big changes if you yeah. make them. You know, one simple little thing that I've done for myself and people have done, uh, when you're, uh, say, going to order uh, out uh, and you have a normal kind of habitual response to what you want to eat, uh, take... Uh, uh, eight seconds or 10 seconds to have a real slow in-breath and an exhale in-breath where you're kind of reflecting on this. What really, what do I want to do right now as opposed to just doing what you're used to do? I grew up uh, in the Midwest uh, where grandmothers used to like to feed their grandsons and I ate meat and potatoes and sticky buns and pies and gravies. And I love that kind of food. And it's not been so great for me. And it's been tough to kind of wean myself away from that. But I've had a lot of time to, you know, practice different things, and I'm not eating perfectly, but I'm eating a lot better than I used to. And part of the ways in which I make those choices is just what I said. I kind of, how much do I really want to eat today? And uh, what do I want to eat? And I take a little pause before I do it. Can I eat a little bit more slowly than I, than I, than I used to? Do I really need to have this to drink, and so on and so forth. So each, there's just these little choices, but I'm better able to make them, I believe, Justine, because of some of this work that I've done in these shamanic and Jungian realms. Exactly, exactly. And I, I want to to talk about helpers, both the internal helpers and the external partners that we might tap into to help us with this, both in, in writing our story, I, I think might be 
be helpful, and then also in in uh, actually manifesting change. So I want to remind our listeners that I'm here with Dr. Carl Greer, and he is a practicing clinical psychologist, a Jungian analyst, and a shamanic practitioner. And he's the author of Change the Story of Your Health, Using Shamanic and Jungian Techniques for Healing. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, carlgreer.com, Carl spelled with a C. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Dr. Carl Greer, and we're talking about changing the story of your health. And that's the name of his book, Change the Story of Your Health, Using Shamanic and Jungian Techniques for Healing. And Carl, um, we were just talking about partnering the inner partner that we might have, and then outer partners. So I'd love for you to tell us what is your experience of both of those kinds of partnering. Well, in terms of the outer partners, uh, sometimes people will find it useful in working with the ideas in both of my books to get together and uh, do practices together where they can share what happens. And, and that's helpful to some. Some of the work that I suggest involves ceremony and ritual, which lends itself to doing it in, uh, in a group. Uh, the inner partner, partnering is... Uh, uh, as you start to learn how to work with your dreams or you take the journeys that I uh, describe and uh, suggest people take, uh, you encounter uh, figures, inner figures, and you can learn to have a different relationship with them uh, through just conversation. It's just like two people in the outer world. Uh, if they talk, often things happen that wouldn't had they not talked. And the same with these inner figures, in my experience. So when, on the inner figures, um, these might appear, and uh, first of all, I want to tell our listeners, you have many wonderful suggested journeys within the book that, that you, you, you can either tape yourself or have somebody read them to you or, or do it and, and take the journeys. You have many wonderful journeys. The book is filled with these, and I was very impressed with them. And, um, and you talk about our having this inner healing guide, that we all have an inner healing guide. And I guess that this guide might appear in different forms. It, yes. it might appear as an animal or an element, or, or how, how, how might this guide appear? Well, in uh, journeys, I, I suggest that, uh, let's say, to the lower world, which would be akin to a soul retrieval journey that you know shamans have taken over the ages. Uh, to show respect to these realms, you might ask... Uh, and visualize that there's a guardian to that lower world. And I'm saying that for the purposes of this book, uh, 
conceptualize that guardian as your inner healer and ask, is this a good day for you to journey? Because not every journey uh, is, is for you on that day. Usually it is, but perhaps there's some reason that some inner voice inside of you is saying, you know, it may not be a good day, Carl, for you to, you to do this for whatever reason. So it's a self-protective thing. You can always go back and journey again, and you can work with this guide, this inner healer, and say, well, what do I need to do to make it a good day? So you start to establish a relationship with this, this inner figure. And I suggest this part of the journey that they become aware of this figure approaching and just notice what form that they take. Is it a man or a woman? Is it a, 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 a human figure? Is it just pure energy? And it can take different guises at different times. And it's all, uh, it's all information. The, the thing I love about the shamanic work is uh, it's, it's pretty free of judgment. Things just are what they are. And you, it, you can suspend what we make of them. Oh, this must be a bad thing. Or uh, an example, a woman was wanting a power animal one time on a journey. And what she found was a mouse. She was so disappointed. Oh, a, a mouse. And then she started to work with the energy of a mouse. What could it teach her? You know, about uh, perseverance, about industriousness. And all of a sudden, it really filled up. It gave her some information that, that was really valuable to her, but she had to get past her initial ego reaction to, oh, I wanted a big lion, right. or I want to be a bear, or, you know. And, and so we get relativized in, in a way, uh, humbled in a nice way when we work this way, because we see that what our ego really wanted or is holding on to maybe uh, isn't the best thing for us, or maybe there's other information we can, we, can, we can get. Now, at some point, the ego, our consciousness, has to decide what we do with that information. Uh, but points of, in my book is, let's get the information to make that decision about right. it. Right. So uh, in, in partnering with other people, what do you suggest we go about finding those partners? Uh, well, just like uh, the group you mentioned that you're, you're working with, I think like-minded people can uh, find ways to get together. You know, hey, do you want to get together to uh, have a fire ceremony, for example, uh, and, uh, and have it devoted to uh, health, for example, you know, eight people, build a fire. Uh, I talk about uh, the value of uh, creating sacred space where you recognize that we're part of a larger picture than we think that we're uh, here for some purpose. You know, who are we? What are we? Where were we before we came in this lifetime? Where are we going to be when we're no longer here? It kind of relativizes our life, including our health. And so we call in these energies that uh, are part of us to participate in the ceremony. And then we say to ourselves, our intent will be to get ideas about our health. And you might, in that context, blow into a stick uh, that which you feel you need to get rid of in order to have better health. And then another stick, that which you need to gain in order to get better health. And so let, let this bigger energy fire, and I spent a lot of time talking about the healing power of nature, let, let the fire work with you. And then all of the people around the fire, you know, one at a time, or they can come in from different directions, can make their own offerings. Then after that they've done this, they can choose or not choose to, to share their experiences. In the fire ceremony, I also have a, a, a practice where people uh, not only are doing it for themselves, but for the collective. 
say, you know, what, what, what do we need to, this is my offering is for the, the, the health of the collect, collective and I might have my own particular intent. So once that's all done, the people can share with, with each other in a practice which I talk about, I call it sacred listening, where you're just listening to each other. You're not helping, you're not judging, you're just listening, just listening. Right, yeah. And that, that process by itself can be very powerful and healing. I know that um, some of the my my healing group that I work with, um, for instance, uh, we really acknowledge those elements uh, that you mentioned, like the fire, and there's someone who's a keeper of the fire, and and that's very powerful, transforming energy, and the the fire goes up and it's just mesmerizing, and then also the uh, element of water. Mm. It's so powerful, water that that just is constantly flowing and, and so magical, so attuned to our own bodies that are so so part of water. We're, yes. we're mostly water. Yes. And uh, so these things can be very, very powerful. And I, I know you mentioned being in nature. Uh, so I, I, I think you refer it to, to vitamin N, mm-hmm. vitamin nature. Uh, other people have coined that coined uh, that term. phrase. Yes, uh, yes. So uh, let's talk about how important is a regular, meaningful relationship with the natural world. Well, there is evidence that if people are around uh, evergreens, pine trees, that uh, there's a chemical called phytoncide that has an effect on our neurotransmitters. It reduces uh, cortisol, adrenaline, it boosts the immune system, and we feel better. There's evidence to support that. Uh, Around uh, rushing water, negative ions supposedly uh, have been shown to also uh, improve our immune system and to reduce stress hormones, uh, lower blood pressure, um, help us sleep better. Uh, So just being in nature, uh, is healing uh, because we came from nature in a way we're part of a natural uh, uh, world and as we get uh, into a, an urban environment uh, uh, concrete and steel and glass without natural sounds without natural sights without natural smells uh, I think uh, physiologically we suffer so an uh, Good prescription for somebody is just to find a natural place near you, lie on the ground, and let it just kind of uh, work with you. Just be be with it. And if you want to be with it more intentionally, ask it, you know, what message do you have for me today about, you know, my 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 sore back or about my sore shoulder? And, and listen, what do I need to give up in order for that to be less of an issue? What do I need to gain? Uh, how might I work with you, Earth? differently. What can I give to you? You've been giving to me. And the notion here is that uh, there is an intelligence in nature, that there's an awareness, and that as we are observing nature, it's uh, observing us. Now, people would say, well, that's just very animistic, and that's superstition. And I, I don't believe that. I believe that there is an awareness. I can't articulate how that all works. But this notion that we all came from the one the place before the Big Bang. We're all going to go back to someplace. And therefore, we all, nature, we 
and all the manifestations of nature, plants and animals all have the, the essence of the one. So it's the one and the many, the many and the one. Uh, and we know that at the subatomic level, things seem to be affected by our observations and that uh, there's a, an awareness of things that we don't quite understand. So it's not too much of a stretch for me at least to think there's a, an interaction possible between uh, ourselves and nature. And even if, Justine, it's just a projection, just you know, from us, the nature of that projection can be very powerful in healing as we work with it and start to understand it. I'm thinking too, Carl, that when when you ask for information, you find even in the city there are parks and places where we can find a, maybe a, a place that we feel really comfortable about, and, and especially uh, maybe even taking off our shoes and walking barefoot yes. or laying down on the earth. Mm. It can be very, very powerful. And and you you talk about listening to messages, and I, I just want to say that th- these messages may not come to us with horns blaring and and big symphonic introductions. It they may be be subtle messages. So so it's a matter of learning how to listen. There's there's a kind of learning curve there to hear that maybe smaller voice. It's, it, would you agree with that? I, I would. And uh, in my book, I talk about some of the preparatory practices to doing some of these expanded awareness uh, techniques. And they involve uh, consciously calling in these uh, helping energies, however, whatever tradition you're from, uh, to work with you. Uh, to uh, work on your breathing, to kind of slow your breathing, to uh, uh, visualize your energy field and, uh, and, and do what you can to clear it. The notion here is that we have a, an energy body, a physical body, a spiritual body, a psychological body, and they're all working with each other, and there's things we can do with our uh, imagination to help clear them. So uh, that, that's, those are all precursors to the work. Right. But just those precursors, what they do, they uh, they change the uh, the neurochemistry of the the body, uh, and we go from the sympathetic nervous system in its way to the parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, heart rate goes down, blood pressure goes down, and so forth. I want to remind our listeners: I'm here with Carl Greer. He's the author of "Change the Story of Your Health." I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions.
I'm here with Carl Greer, and he is the author of Change the Story of Your Health Using Shamanic and Jungian Techniques for Healing. And Carl, you mentioned earlier something about rituals and ceremonies. Talk about the power of rituals and ceremonies. What do they do for us when we actually... And we make these up. I mean, not to be embarrassed about making up Mm -hmm, a ritual mm -hmm. of, like, taking a piece of paper and burning it in a fire of something you want to release or whatever it is. Or we use rituals. Baptism uh, is a ritual. Uh, We we use lots of rituals in our lives. So talk about the power of ritual. Rituals often take us back to the beginning, you know, the the first uh, fertility rite the first growing of the crop, the first uh, baptism into this, uh, this world. It's a, a new beginning. Uh, they're, they're initiatory. Uh, but they're also honoring the bigger energies. And they're also, uh, if designed in that way, uh, expressing gratitude to these bigger energies. So the honoring, the gratitude, uh, uh, somehow, in my experience, uh, opens up uh, the possibility of a new relationship to those bigger energies. It's not like I'm going to express gratitude so I get something. It's just I express the gratitude because I really feel gratitude to have this opportunity in this lifetime to do these things. I'm thinking, Carl, that in in this day and time, we move so fast, and we often don't give ourselves what I would call a, a moment of integration. Maybe something happened, and we don't pause long enough to even notice that something really wonderful happened. And and it seems to me if we, even the ritual of taking a deep breath is, is a kind of ritual, uh, as you spoke about earlier, it adds that that moment of integrating into our lives what is manifesting. Would, would you say that this is part of it, that is, ritual is also part of integrating it into our lives as well? It, it is, and you're raising the, the, the question, how does one do that in a life that seems to be ever increasing in its rapidity, its speed? Um, and I think it's just our intent. If your life is going pretty well, uh, and the years go by quickly, well, maybe you don't want to tinker with it. But for many, that's not the case, and they like to make changes. They just don't know how. And I'm suggesting you have to take some time to reflect on what is, be it your health or other aspects of your, of your life. And then you have to have some ideas to what you'd like it to be. And then you have to have some understanding of why you're not doing what you'd like it to be. And that's where I have these practices to work with the transpersonal realms or the unconscious. And you, and you have to be patient with yourself. And you have to, when you're applying it in the day-to-day, just like we said earlier, you have to allow those little spaces for the choices that are different than you had before. Because otherwise you're so busy and people are, you know, they're on cellular devices and listening to the radio and, you know, watching TV and, and doing a lot of things simultaneously. And that does not really allow much uh, reflection or change. Mm-hmm. You get mm-hmm. on a treadmill that's really, you think you can't get off of. A lot of these practices, Justine, are to allow us to get off the treadmill a little bit, to look what's going, going in front of us, uh, so we have the chance to make changes. Not necessarily that we will, but at least have a chance. If you're just so caught up into it, 
it's really hard to change. So let's talk about an example. Let's say um, there's a a health example that cropped up for me. I've been uh, adding swimming to my regime. And I I noticed uh, some time ago that I have this little kind of catch in my shoulder, but it didn't bother me too much. But when I started swimming regularly and doing an overhead crawl, it really started cropping up, this shoulder pain, and I had to modify my swim and do more treading water than, than doing crawls. So what would you suggest? Like, how could I then go and find out what this ailment, what this, this kind of chronic pain is telling me? What, what, what could I do with that? One uh, process that I talk about is called dialoguing. And you'd actually ask the pain, what message do you have for me? Uh, Why are you there? Uh, What can you tell me? Uh, And really have a conversation with it. And I describe a process where you can set up, uh, blow the energy of the Mm -hmm. sore shoulder into a stone and have a conversation with Mm -hmm. it and how that that would look. Uh, And what you're doing, uh, which I think is is really good and not everybody would do it, you're continuing to be in the water. Uh, even though you're not you know, swimming, you're still, still in the water getting the exercise because some people say, I can't swim anymore. Uh, and so you're working around what is. And this is in your opening uh, remarks, what, what do we accept as kind of just the way it is uh, or what can we change? And one way to see if you can change it is to have a conversation with the shoulder. The journey work that I talk about also allows you to get insights into the pain. And in talking to your inner healer, this part of you, which is your personification of uh, the immune system, you know, what can you tell me about this pain in my shoulder? It may have something to do with something that you can't even conceive of. You know, maybe it's an inflammatory thing that has to do with an emotion or a thought uh, or a relationship separate from what you think the shoulder is, yet to be determined. Well, that's really good advice. So, uh, so it could be something that I really can't change. It might be something that I will have to constantly modify that kind of movement. Or maybe I'll discover some message of something that needs uh, an emotional healing of some sort. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, as you say, it can, be, it can surprise us. A woman... Uh... Uh, was working with a chronically sore neck, really sore neck. And as she was doing some journey work, she uh, concluded that uh, she felt that uh, other people were always judging her, and she had to kind of be looking over her shoulder. As she did further work, she found that she's judging judging a lot of other people. So now all of a sudden she's... The pain's been relativized a little bit because she's thinking about, you know, I'm judging people and why am I being judged and I'm not worthy, but really I'm judging other people too. And she starts to come to a different relationship with judgment. And lo and behold, she has less of a sore neck. Now, and I've seen story after story after story where you're kind of working with something over here, but then it's related to to this. A woman was a a competitive uh, rower and she was having a lot of gastrointestinal issues. And uh, she did journey work and work around uh, uh, the, the gastrointestinal stuff and, and concluded that she was so competitive 
in a rowing, that that was contributing to it. And then she, she said, well, you know, I'm competitive in all parts of my life. And then she got to a new relationship with, uh, and she was going to cut out the rowing. She got to a new relationship with competition and then was able to conclude eventually, you know, I can still row, but I'm going to do it with a little different mindset. As a result of that work, her gastrointestinal uh, issues uh, got better. So I think there's just many ways that everything's connected to everything else, the way we started off our conversation, thoughts, emotions, feelings, our spirituality, our physical bodies. And as we work with some, all of a sudden we can see these interconnections and the changes that can take place as a result of the intentional work that we do. Exactly. One of the big maladies in our culture today, well, two of them, are depression and anxiety. These are, are big within our own culture and society. We can see it within ourselves. We can feel it. We're, we're constantly being pressured in many ways. And, and uh, what would you have to say about dealing with depression and anxiety? Well, I would say that uh, our, our depression can make us sluggish, which makes us less likely to exercise, uh, which may want us to have uh, comfort food to eat. Uh, and, and so... Uh, it's kind of a snowball effect, it, isn't it? It, it, it is. Uh, so one thing I would suggest that people can dialogue with the depression. What can you tell me? What's going on for me? What do I need to know about you? Can I have a different relationship with you than I have? The same with anxiety. Uh, anxiety uh, can, uh, as can depression, can cause us to have stress hormones. And uh, so we have a more of an inflammatory response in our bodies, and we could perhaps then have more uh, uh, pains in our in our joints, or may have uh, you know digestive uh, issues. Uh, and uh, again, with anxiety, you could uh, work with your inner healer around anxiety. You can dialogue with anxiety and so forth. I I think w what you're saying um, when you say all right, have a dialogue with it. You're talking about looking at any of these things that we would normally say, oh, this is a bad thing. Depression is a bad thing. But you're saying, no, think of it as an ally rather than an adversary. Instead of saying, I'm going to battle with my depression, think of it, what you, because you use the words, ask it, what can you tell me about what's going on? And that doesn't mean that you still can't think of it as an adversary. You don't know if it's an ally yet or not until you had the conversation with it. But you're finding out a little bit about what it is. All right. Well, you know, we could talk more and more about all of this. And I suggest that people pick up your book and really uh, look at some of these journeys that you suggest. And and even looking at dreams or all sorts of um advice that you have in within the book and examples. So I want to thank you so much, Carl, for being with us today. Thanks, Justine. It was really uh, nice to have the conversation with you. Thank you. I've been speaking with Dr. Carl Greer. He is a practicing psychologist and a Jungian analyst and a practitioner of shamanic practices. And he's the author of several books, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, Using Shamanic and Jungian Techniques for Healing and Change Your Story, Change Your Life Using Shamanic and Jungian Tools to Achieve Personal Transformation. If you want to know more about his work, go to his website, Carl Greer, spell with a C, 
Com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3616. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org and just click the Donate button. You can also subscribe to our free weekly podcasts and find over a thousand hours of audio dialogues in our searchable archive. New Dimensions is produced by New Dimensions Radio in Santa Rosa, California, USA. Our executive producer is Justine Willis-Toms. Our post-production editor is Lou Judson. This program was recorded at Strawberry Hill Productions, a full-service podcast production studio in Novato, California. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions, as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions, whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions. To find out more about the program you've just heard, to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and our New Dimensions and New Dimensions Cafe podcasts, and to access thousands of other programs in the New Dimensions archive, please visit our website, newdimensions.org. That's newdimensions.org. Or call us at 707-468-5215. That's 707-468-5215. Please join us next time as we explore New Dimensions. New Dimensions.